Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you once again for another Tuesday morning episode. Today, I have an interview with author Samantha Downing, and we are discussing her latest, very twisty psychological thriller. So if psychological thrillers are something you enjoy, this is an episode that you won't want to miss. And at the end of the interview, definitely stay tuned for some books. There are so many great new releases out this week. So we'll get started with the usual housekeeping information, and then we'll get into the episode. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information in our show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am here with author Samantha Downing, and we are discussing her latest novel, A Twisted Love Story, which is scheduled to release here in the U.S. on July 18th. Samantha, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun, I, I think. Can we start with a brief introduction to A Twisted Love Story so that listeners have a little bit of an idea what to expect? Sure. Uh, A Twisted Love Story is essentially a thriller about a relationship. And Wes and Ivy have been in a tumultuous 10-year on and off relationship that is very dramatic. They are a bit like a tornado that barrels through life and other people get pulled into their whirlwind and it doesn't always have good results. And now a detective is looking into them. So that's kind of where the story begins. So... This, um, when I first looked at the blurb for this, I kind of wondered if it was going to be a little bit of a like throwback to your first book, which utterly like blew my mind. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, and I was thinking like, oh, you know, there's so much that can go on in a relationship between two people, especially when it is full of like tumults and, and drama. So I love when you have kind of these like small casts of people where 
you you would expect like okay there's only two people so you know it's probably going to be pretty easy to figure out and yet like it, it just isn't so I definitely commend you for all of your fantastic like twists and turns that you put into all of your books that really really keep me guessing Thank you. Um, yeah, I was definitely not trying to rewrite um, my lovely wife. That's a completely different scenario of what oh, yes. than what's happening in this book. Um, in this book, the relationship itself is a character, and that's what I that was really my goal with this book. Wes and Ivy are individuals, but when they come together, it creates something else, and that's really their relationship is what drives the story. So when you first decided that this was the story that you wanted to tell like how much did you know about it like did you just have kind of an idea of like a scene or a character like what did you know and kind of how do you come up with some of the things that kind of keep the book moving forward and you know keep everybody guessing we hope well, I don't plot my books um, at all. Ah. So I am a pantser, as they call us. And I, um, so I, I came up originally with the idea of a dramatic on and off relationship. And that's what I started with and then created Wes and Ivy and the other characters um, in the book. So, and I just go, I just write from there and start and every idea leads to another idea and leads to another idea. And the that's how I write. I sort of discover the book the same way a reader would discover it, just chapter by chapter. Does that cause you difficulty sometimes? Like, do you find that sometimes things that you thought could happen early in the book, like end up not being able to because of just like, you know, the way the story has unfolded? Oh, definitely. It causes a lot of problems. I start a lot of books that never get finished and I've, I've oh, written, no. I, I've written entire books that get thrown out because it just doesn't work. So being a pantser means I write far, far more than ever gets published. Oh. Do you have a favorite part of your writing process? Like, is there an aspect of it that you really look forward to? The initial creation of it, the first draft is my favorite part, because that's when I'm using the majority of that it's it's purely creative and that's the most fun for me as soon as i go into revisions um thinking about the logic of things and how things work and how they fit together which is a totally different part of my brain so the pure creative part is really my favorite i am so fascinated by people who you know like i i talk to you know a number of authors and there are people who love that initial drafting and then there are some people who really struggle through it and the same I guess is true with like editing and revising that you know it does use a totally different part of your brain and I know you know since we're all different people and everybody's brain works differently I guess we are all going to enjoy you know things more than more than others but I love how individual everyone's writing process is and kind of the things that they find challenging and the things that they look forward to. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the, and the opposite is true for plotters. They really use their creativity when they're making up their outline. And the uh, it's not something I can do, but I, I really need to write it in order to see it. And they have an ability to sit down and plot it all out in advance. And I think that's when they use a purely creative process for them. 
right because then they're actually kind of looking ahead and saying okay you know I want this to happen here and then over here you know this other thing is going to happen where you know whenever I have written anything whether it's like an academic paper or just you know something more creative I have never ever been able to create an outline and then successfully stick to it Right. Neither have I. I. I tried that once and the book was terrible because oh, it, no. it turns out when I know what's going to happen, I write to it and I telegraph it and oh. the book becomes predictable. And it sort of, I, I, it's almost like my creativity gets shut down because I'm so intent on writing to the plot that I've already written. I'm writing to the outline and it came out complete. I only tried it once and it was really bad. So I don't do that anymore. <laughs> No, I suppose not. So this is, I believe, your fourth published novel. Yes. Do you have a favorite of the ones that you've written? Uh, my favorite is always the one I'm in the middle of writing. So ah, yeah, my favorite, okay. I guess, right now is the next one, so, <laughs> which, oh. which may or may not work. But um, I always try to write better. I mean, I want to, I want my writing to improve. I want every book to be better. I want every, um, ever, I want the writing to be better in every book. So I'm always looking ahead to like, how can I do this better? How can I write a better book? So when you're looking at the story that you're going to tell, like what in your mind equals a better book? Like if you could draft sort of the, the perfect type of book, what would that be? You know, it, that's a hard question to answer. It's sort of like an I know it when I see it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And for everybody, it's going to be different. Not everybody's going to agree with my opinion. And, sure. and, you know, and reviewers and, and people and readers and bloggers and everybody will have their own opinion on which book is better or which one they enjoyed more. Um, it's a little different now when you're four books in, because when your debut comes out, people go into it without any expectations. They don't, they don't have any preconceived notion of what your writing is like. Four books in, the same readers are, are, who are still reading my books go in with expectations. So now there's a level of pressure of, I want to live up to what their expectations are. I want to deliver. So it's a, it's a, it's a different mindset that comes in. I think that would actually make sense. Um, you know, when no one knows who you are as a person or a writer, then like you're sort of a, a surprise to them in, in some ways. Um, and yet I still find myself surprised even, you know, having read all of, of your novels, um, I still find myself surprised by you know, certain aspects of each one. And so, whereas, you know, there are things that like sort of tell me like, you know, you're obviously the same person writing these books. I, I never feel like, oh, you know, so now we're just like going into this formula, you know, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I think each of them has that very fresh, like twisty feel that we look for, you know, when we're, or at least when most of us are you know picking up a new thriller, like we want something that's going to going to surprise us and really make us think and all of your books have done that for me oh thank you thank you that's that's great to hear I I really try to I I it, maybe life would be easier for me if I could pick a formula and stick with it but I get bored very easily and I need to challenge myself as a writer so with every it will never book, change it's a different <laughs> thing and 
with every book I'm trying to accomplish something in my writing um whether it's my lovely wife had one narrator he started it had one narrator and then I switched to multiple narrators for both for your own good and a twisted love story and I switched to from first person to third person so I constantly want to change and do things for myself selfishly for my own writing um if I, if I wrote the same book every time, um, I would, they probably wouldn't be very good because I wouldn't be very inspired. I think he started it is my personal favorite of the ones oh, that he's done. Um, I, I like them all, but whenever I'm looking like, if I'm thinking about something that is like, I don't know, like something that kind of gives me that like extra special, feeling when I kind of look back at it and say, oh yeah, I remember when I read that, you know, for the first time it is, um, he started it that really still gives me that feeling even, you know, a couple of years after I read it for the first time. Thank you. I think it's always interesting to hear, and I'm the same way because I'm a reader, but I'm a reader first before I became a writer and that you had get some sort of emotional connection to a book. And it could be the moment that you read it. It could be where you were when you read it. It could be the book itself. It could be everything combined together. There are certain books I love just because of the time in life when I happened to read that book, it struck a chord with me. So it, and and then there are other times I've tried to read a book and don't like it, but maybe two years later, I try it again and I love it. So I know, isn't that so weird? Like some of it just really depends, I think, on your mood and like where you are in your current life. Because people will say, oh, you know, you have to read such and such book. It's so good. And I'll pick it up and I'm like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) this is not my favorite. And then I'll say, well, okay, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the book, you know, maybe it's me. And so I'll, I'll put it aside for a while and maybe come back to it. And the next time, I pick it up. I I could really end up loving it. Exactly. And I've had the same thing happen to me. There was a book I read um, back when I I had um, just moved to a new town. I had, I was broke. I had just graduated from college. I couldn't even afford a TV. So I would go to this used bookstore and picked up a used book and read it. And I thought it was the greatest book I, I had ever read. And I still have probably reread it 20 times, but at my, at the time it was my only form of entertainment. <laughs> so, so it's like the best book then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. I am a huge proponent of public libraries now, um, you know, kind of for that reason that mm-hmm. you don't, you know, have to then be able to go out and spend, you know, $20 on on a hard copy book or, you know, $15 on an ebook, depending on, you know, what it is that you're reading. Um, And yet, you know, you're still supporting authors and accessing their work. Um, And so, yes, I am a huge fan of, of the public library, especially now that they've become so digital. Yes, absolutely. I grew up going to the library, my local library, um, I had a single mom as a parent and not a lot of money. And our again, our entertainment was going to the library and getting a big stack of books. And I looked and it was it was not something that was a chore. It was looked at as something that was really fun. So oh, yes. every two weeks when the books were due, we brought them back and got a whole nother stack. And it was great. So I, I grew up in, in my local library. 
I currently have 10 library cards and it makes me like incredibly happy every day. <laughs> That's great. Because, <laughs> you know, now you can do like the out of state library mm-hmm. cards um, mm-hmm. for, you know, digital, like you can access their like Libby collections or Hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love it. Like I'm always looking at various libraries like, hmm, do you have an out of state program? <laughs> How many libraries can I join? Right. So right now there are 10. Wow. That's I'm, great. I'm a little, I'm a little obsessed. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay so, to be obsessed about books. It is. It is. I figure there are, are worse things. So many that I could things. be obsessed with. Yes. I'm yes. obsessed with cats and books. And I think that's that's you know pretty safe. <laughs> that's pretty safe, yes. Yeah. So have you always wanted to be a thriller writer or kind of did that happen as you sat down to write your first book? Like, is it always thrillers that kind of intrigue you or Um, something else? No, I wrote a lot of, I've written a lot of things that are not thrillers, uh, especially before it was published when I had more time to just write whatever I wanted, but I read thrillers growing up. So my whole, my whole family read them. They were always around the house. The Michael Crichton and um, McClive Cussler and Tom Clancy and uh, John Grisham. They're always around the house. And so yeah, legal thrillers. Yep. And um, so I think I just naturally came back to that eventually. It's the one I read the most and still was reading the most, even though I was trying my hand at different genres. Um, I I just naturally came back to it. And then when Gone Girl came out and then Girl on the Train. I remember reading Girl on the Train and thinking, this is the kind of book I want to write because that kind of thriller that doesn't have law enforcement as a main character, the yes. type of thriller that revolves around relationships. They're like relationship thrillers or marriage thrillers or whatever you want to call them. Like thought, domestic thrillers, I guess. Yeah, sometimes they call them domestic thrillers now. Um, the um I just thought this is the kind of thriller I could write because I can't, I don't know enough about law enforcement to be able to write truly uh, the typical um, detective chasing serial killer kind of like Silence of the Lambs kind of a format. So I don't have that kind of expertise. So I never tried, really tried one of those. But if we're talking about non-law enforcement people, then I can write that thriller. Yes, yes, you can. I think Gone Girl, like I'm thinking back now to when that first came out, and I think it sort of revolutionized the idea of like the psychological thriller and the unreliable narrator. Like, obviously, I think those things existed before Mm -hmm. we had Gone Girl, but there was something about that particular book that just really like hit people and suddenly it became the thing that like everybody was wanting to read and there are so many of them and I keep thinking like what if you know what what if this changes like eventually what if like there aren't any more super twisty thrillers um and I I can't imagine that because for the past you know what like 10 11 years now there's just been this huge amount of of phenomenal twisty kind of books that you really don't know, you know, what you're getting whenever you open one. I think people, I think publishers and people did not realize the appetite for thrillers that were about 
marriages and relationships until yes. Gone Girl exploded. And I think they didn't, they continued to not know it until they continued to sell. Like, was it going to be a one-off or was it going to be something people would continue to buy? And it has, it's been 11 years that book came out in 2012 and people are still reading it. It It's kind of like, it's sort of become like a romance book. People never get tired of romance books. It's the same. And a lot of them yes. have the same formula, but people never get tired of reading it. I don't think people will ever get tired of reading thrillers about relationships in some way. Oh, I hope not. It would be a very sad day if like you started looking at, you know, books that were coming out and like there weren't as many of those like that. That would make me very sad. And it really just widened the thriller genre. It's just another subgenre of thrillers. Now, I mean, we have police procedurals, we have spy thrillers, we have crime thrillers, we have, um, and now we have the domestic thriller or whatever we're calling it. Um, I get domestic thriller is kind of a weird name, but I get, I guess it means things that take place within the home or within a neighborhood. Yeah, I think it's like people like. I don't know, kind of like people that are close to you, like in your kind of in, in your bubble, I guess. I don't know. It is right. kind of a weird, but a it, lot of the way we categorize like genres and things, like I don't, I can't say that I fully understand like how some of these things come about. Right. Exactly. And so, and then there's, of course, like you said, legal thrillers, political thrillers, all of these are subgenres of thrillers. And now this is another one that is, is huge. And still is huge. So So I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk to you about, you know, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but like you mentioned being a reader and I always love knowing like the books that inspire authors. My favorite question to ask is one that I'm going to ask you now. And that is what have you read recently that you want the world to know about that you think the world should, should fall in love with? Um, gosh, uh, I was, uh, well, I'm trying, uh, I, I read some advanced copies of books that aren't out oh, yet. Advanced but, copies make me so happy. So I am trying to think of books that are actually out that people can go buy. Um, Amy Souter Clark read, wrote yes. a book called lay your body down, which is a great yes. book. Um, yes. I love everything Ashley Winstead writes. Her last book was called The Last Housewife, and she has an upcoming book in the fall called Midnight is the Darkest Hour. Ooh, um, her her thrillers are, are are dark. She yes, they they're are. dark. Um, I love everything Hannah Morrissey writes. She has a um, series that's sort of a series about the, the thrillers take place in the same town, but not necessarily the exact same main characters. The first one was called Hello Transcriber. And the second one was called The Widowmaker. And she has a third one coming out. Very dark, gritty thrillers that take place in a, in a smaller town. Um, so if I haven't read Hello Transcriber because it's sitting on my iPad and I have like mm-hmm. too many books to read, can I go into The Widowmaker and yes. follow it or is it better? Okay. Yes. Yeah. You could, they're standalone books. They just are connected by being sort of in the same town. And some of the, ah. same, some of the same characters are mentioned, but if you don't know the backstory, it doesn't matter. Okay. Usually um, I'm a stickler for reading things in order, but- 
sometimes, yeah. you know, you have to. Yeah, you don't, you, have you to... don't have to with her okay. books. It's not necessary. Okay. Um, there was another one that came out in the spring, uh, not long ago, called The Tip Line by Vanessa Cuddy or Cuddy. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it's C-U-T-I. That was a great book about a woman who got a job work answering the phone for a tip line for a police for a police department. And it was during the Gilgo Beach murders in New York when they discovered all the bodies in Gilgo Beach and someone had been killing uh, uh, sex workers and burying them at Gilgo Beach. And she was and so it's a fictional account of a woman answering the tip line when those bodies are discovered which is super interesting and has a really unique voice to it. I love when people are just able to rattle off a bunch of books like this. Like it makes me so happy. <laughs> and I know it makes listeners happy because then you can just like add a bunch of stuff to your TBR pile. Like maybe, you know, sometimes like I saw the tip line and I thought, Oh, you know, I don't know if this is going to be something that I'm going to like, like something about the synopsis made me think that it might be a little bit lighter than what I usually read. Mm -hmm. um, and hearing you talk about it kind of makes me think like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I should give it a, a second look. I enjoyed it. It does have a, the narrator is funny and has a, so there is a lighter tone to it um, in parts because she's not the killer and she's not the detective. So she is a little slightly removed, but she's answering the tip line. Um and then I just read an advanced copy of a book coming out next year by Araminta Hall. Oh, I love her. I love her. Um, Our Kind of Cruelty is just yes. an incredible book. Well, she has a new book coming out next next year, I believe. Um, and I believe it's in January. January, yes. January 2024. Um, and it is being published by Gillian Flynn's imprint. Oh, at Zando. Um, uh, and it's called One of the Good Guys. And okay. that is what it's about. One of those guys that you would look at and say he's one of the good guys. And uh, of course, it's extremely dark because Araminta writes very dark, but it, it's brilliant. She's brilliant. What can I say? She is. Like, I remember when I read um, Our Kind of Cruelty for the first time, and that, you know, was the first thing I'd ever picked up by her. And it was just so, so incredible. Like it sucked me in. And I think it was one of those that I read in a single sitting. Hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. My current read is um, Her Too by Bonnie Kistler, which okay. is a revenge thriller, which okay. sometimes I am in the mood for some good revenge, like <laughs> some vigilante justice. And so that one is, is also making me really happy right now. So if you've never um, read anything her by her, too, yeah, that. yeah, it just came out last week, maybe. Okay, last week or the week before, like it's it's pretty new. Okay, um, it came in for me at my public library, and I was kind of looking at it, like, oh, you know, I have so many things that are due before it, and I'm like, nope, doesn't matter. <laughs> I have to read this now. Right. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for chatting with me today and letting listeners know a little bit about who you are as a reader and a writer. I think this is one of my favorite 
parts of of having a book podcast is just getting to know authors, getting their book recommendations, just hearing kind of their their thoughts on on what they do. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm so glad. Can you let listeners know the best place to t- uh, to find you online? Yes, uh, my website is samanthadowning.com. I am on um, most mostly. I am on Instagram. It's at s marie downing, and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter with the same name s marie downing, and now Threads with s marie downing. So. The, uh, when I set up my names, I wasn't an author yet. So <laughs> it's S. Marie Downing. <laughs> but you can find me mostly on Instagram. I put all, all the new news there of, of the book coming out and places I'll be appearing and all of that. And do you describe your Instagram photos? Do I describe them? Yes. Like... Uh, um like the alt text, like for people who can't see the photos? Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, no, I don't think I, I don't even think I know how to do that. <laughs> so it is um, here at Book Bistro, all of us are some level of visually impaired. Okay. And so accessibility is a big thing for us here. Oh, and okay. I have recently, well, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, maybe, I decided that part of my my mission is to make social media a little bit more accessible one author at a time. And so I've been asking people, like, do you describe your social media posts? Absolutely. Um, that sounds like a great mission. I, I'm, now I have to look into this. And honestly, I never thought about it. So once again, this has been a discussion with author Samantha Downing, who I have to say, in my mind, I have always thought of as a British person and I don't know why. And so when she showed up and I, I said this to you um, before we started recording, I was expecting this very British voice and that is not what I got. And I have no like real um, reason for why I thought you were British, but it just like messed with my mind briefly. And so I, I have to share that, you know, we, whether we see or whether we don't, um, form incorrect opinions of, of who we're about to speak to. But this is a discussion with author Samantha Downing on her upcoming novel, A Twisted Love Story. We are recording this just a little bit ahead of publication. So by the time this airs, it will be out and it releases here in the U.S. on July 18th. All right. So new books. You know, I thought that last week was going to be the big release week for the fall, and it was. It was a very good release week, but I think this one might have it beat. So I'm going to get started with books you've heard us talk about before. There are a bunch of them today. So Christine is looking forward to a historical novel. This is All You Have to Do is Call by Carrie Mayer. Robin is looking forward to two books. One is Ryan and Avery by David Levithan. And she is also looking forward to the new Nevo novel, which is Mammoths at the Gate, Singing Hills Cycle, book four. All of my um, anticipated September releases, at least all the ones that I talked about on our episode, are out this week. 
So a historical romance, which is My Rogue to Ruin, it's book four in the Wild Winchester series. That's by Erica Ridley. We then have Perfectly Nice Neighbors, which is a legal thriller by Kia Abdullah. And we have a young adult thriller, which is The Meadows by Stephanie Oakes. So those are books that I am super excited about. Brooke has two that she's looking forward to this week. Your Lonely Nights Are Over, which is a young adult thriller by Adam Sass. And the first book in a new fantasy series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. This is Fall of Ruin and Wrath. And this is Awakening, book one. So those are books that you've heard us talk about before. I'm going to move on now to some books that we'll be mentioning for the first time. So first up here, we have a historical novel. This is 19 Steps by Millie Bobby Brown. And I'm not great with like pop culture and actors and actresses, but I'm pretty sure that Brown um, made it big in like TV. I want to say like on a Netflix series or something. And a lot of people know her. Um, I don't, but a lot of people do. And she has written her first novel, and it is a World War II era historical fiction. And it reminds us that love can bloom no matter what circumstances we're going through. So if this sounds interesting to you, it once again is 19 Steps by Millie Bobby Brown. Moving on to some mystery, thriller, suspense, all that good stuff. We have Dark Angel. This is Detective Beth Katz, book one by D.K. Hood. I have never read a D.K. Hood book before, but I know that Brooke really likes um, their Detective Kane and Alton series. It's on my huge TBR pile, um, but they're police procedurals. And it looks like from the type, from the description of this, um, that this is another series that is going to follow that, you know, police procedural model. So once again, it is Dark Angel, Detective Beth Katz, book one by D.K. Hood. We also have a new Melinda Lee book. This is Catch Her Death. It is Brie Taggart, number seven. And this is a, another series that I haven't read, although I have read some other Melinda Lee in the past. Um, and I know that Brooke has as well. Christine has. I think maybe Natalia has. Um, some of these are police procedural. Some of them are like private investigator novels. She has some that cross that line into like romantic suspense, which is always a great thing. But she's just a very, very talented writer. I love the way we get to know not only her like main characters, but the people that are important to them, whether that's like their family by blood or close friends. Um, we just get to know kind of how their world works and who are the, the really like key players for them. So this one is Catch Her Death, and it is Brie Taggart, book seven by Melinda Lee. Next up is The Stranger Upstairs. This is by Lisa L. Matlin, and it's about a woman who is restoring a Victorian house, and strange things start happening. And so is this like a haunted house situation? I don't know. I think I'm going to have someone else read this and find out. 
Um, and then if it's not super ghosty, then I can, you know, probably deal. But um, this once again is The Stranger Upstairs by Lisa M. Matlin. Kelly Armstrong is releasing a standalone novel this week. This is Hemlock Island, and it is suspense infused with horror. Kelly Armstrong never ceases to amaze me because she can write, I swear, anything. Like whether we're talking about urban fantasy or suspense or young adult or time travel, um, like time slip books. She just does so, so many things and all of them are amazing. She's written books for children, books for adults. Um, and so this is a standalone if you've not read Kelly Armstrong's work and you're looking for something that you can kind of dip into without having to invest in a whole series, um, her standalones are great. I am personally not as big a fan of like the, the horror genre, but if you are, then this might be a good kind of stepping off place for you. It is Hemlock Island by Kelly Armstrong. So I want to move on now to some paranormal because, like, why not, right? So first up, I have to say, there is a new K.J. Delantonia book out this week. This is Playing the Witch Card, and I am so, so excited for it. I love her so incredibly much. The Chicken Sisters and In Her Boots are some of the very best things I've read in the past few years. I just, I love her family dynamics. I love her characters. Her personality is just so much fun and it shines through both in her writing and in um, the interviews I've done with her. And this is her first sort of foray into the paranormal. And we get to hear about like tarot cards and witchcraft. So I am super excited. It's Playing the Witch Card by KJ Delantonia. Another witch book we have out this week is Witch of Wild Things. This is by Raquel Vasquez-Gilland. And it has gotten a ton of positive buzz. Reminds me a little bit of like some fairy tale infused stuff. Um, like sort of that blend of like high fantasy and kind of the paranormal that we see like set here on Earth. Um, and it just, it looks like it's going to be a little bit dark and tons of fun. The hold lists are super long at my public library, so I'm not sure when I'll get a copy of this. But it is Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez-Gilland. We then have This Spells Disaster. This is by Torian Martin. This is another book that has a ton of holds on it. Um, when I looked at my library, it said I could have it in six months. So we'll see. This looks like um, a little bit more of a lighthearted paranormal romance. Um, and I'm kind of intrigued by these lately. Usually I prefer my books to be a little darker, but I've really fallen in love with some of the kind of lighter books that then develop into something else. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. So this is one that I will be taking a look at. And it is This Spells Disaster by Tori Ann Martin. We also have Heart of Glass. This is the third book 
in Donna Grant's Sky Druid series. And this is another author that I have not read, but I know a lot of people love her. Her Dark King series is sort of like an urban fantasy classic. It's big and sprawling. And it's like you talk to people about urban fantasy and so many people will say, oh, have you ever read, you know, the Dark Kings books by Donna Grant? And I always have to say no. And I really need to remedy that because she's someone I think that is well known for a good reason in this genre. So hopefully you have read some of her stuff before, and maybe you're ready for this one. It is Heart of Glass, Sky Druids, book three by Donna Grant. All right, let's talk about some romance, because that just seems like a great thing to do. Um, I want to start out with some romantic suspense. Um, this is Salt Kiss. It's Lioness, book one by Sierra Simone. Now, one thing I will say about Sierra Simone is that her books tend to be pretty steamy, um, maybe a little bit more on the erotic side of romance. Um, I've never read any romantic suspense that she's done, but everything else that I've picked up um, has been very, very steamy and, you know, might not be quite what some people are looking for. But if it is, if you love her, then definitely pick this one up. It is Salt Kiss, Lioness, book one, by Sierra Simone. Taking things to sort of a, I don't know, less erotic um, contemporary level, we have You Again by Kate Goldbeck. This is a friends to lovers romance the idea that, you know, a man and a woman can have a really strong friendship that doesn't necessarily lead to love. But in this case, I guess it did or will or does. Um, when I first read this, I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Friends to lovers isn't always my favorite. But then I was looking at some of the early reviews and I was like, okay, yes, I have to pick this up. So it is You Again by Kate Goldbeck. We have Ripped. This is The Miller Sisters, book one by Sarah Morgan. And Sarah Morgan is pretty well beloved on Book Bistro. Stacy, Sarah, Natalia, um, I think Kristen has read a couple, maybe even Georgina. Um, and she just writes these. Some of them are straight up contemporary romances. Some cross that line into a bit of women's fiction. But I just know that a lot of my beastresses love her a lot. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. She is starting a new series. And this first book is out this week. It is Ripped, Miller Sisters, book one. And it is by Sarah Morgan. Okay, I'm moving into Young Adult to round us up this evening. And I'm starting out with The Name Drop. This is by Susan Lee. It is a young adult romance about two people who meet at an internship when they are confused for one another because they have the same Korean last name. And so the son who is like the daughter of the executive, you know, he gets put in this like communal housing thing and he's thinking like, oh, you know, shouldn't I have this really fancy residence? And then the heroine 
ends up in the really fancy residence when she's sort of expecting the communal housing. And they make a pact to kind of allow the switch to stand and fall in love along the way. So this is The Name Drop by Susan Lee. I also want to talk about those Pink Mountain Nights. This is by Jen Ferguson. This is her second novel. And it looks like straight up contemporary YA fiction told from three different points of view. And we dig deep into relationships, whether we're talking about family relationships, friend relationships, or those early romantic relationships. It just looks like it's going to be a very character-driven novel, so perhaps not super fast-paced um, like some of the stuff that I talk about here. But it's one that I'm definitely interested in. Um, her first book has been on my radar for a while. This one actually has a pretty short hold list. So I'm hoping to have it soon. It is Those Pink Mountain Nights, and it is by Jen Ferguson. And the last one I have is The Death I Gave Him. This is by M.X. Liu, and it is YA science fiction crossed with thriller slash suspense. Um, this just came in for me at my public library. I am recording this after midnight on Tuesday morning. And sometimes I'm really lucky and new releases pop in for me as soon as they reach the library, if I'm the first one to request them. And that is the case with this book. So this explores like death and dying and how technology can or will or might affect that. Um, it looks like our main character is sort of plunged into an alternate type reality. Um, I'm pretty intrigued by sci-fi when it uses technology in some of these ways. So I'm eager to check this one out. It is The Death I Gave Him by M.X. Liu. And if you're interested, it's M, like E-M, and then the initial X, and then L-I-U. All right, everyone, that is all I have for you this week. It was a fantastic new release week. So I hope that you have found, you know, a thing or two or 10 to add to your TBR piles and just expand your reading because that is what I'm here to do. I hope everyone is, of course, staying safe and well, and as always, well-read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.